Yo, another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Enjoy this intro because it literally may be the last intro I ever do. I'm getting so sick of doing these, I have no idea what to say. And I realize that all of my favorite podcasts, they just immediately start talking with the, with the guest or whoever, or they have ads, but I'm not big enough to have ads, so whatever. So enjoy. I hope you like the previous intros. There's about 140 something of them from past episodes. Uh, this is the last one, R.I.P. Nick Vivid was this episode. Nick Vivid wrote his first album when he was 10 years old, according to his Spotify bio. I don't know if we talked about that or not, but Nick's a solo artist from New York City, and he writes some really interesting shit. Really uh, glam-inspired, and just really, um, he thinks really a lot. I promise I'm a way better host talker than I am an intro talker. I don't say really or um a lot at all. But in the intros, I never know what the fuck to say, dude. So I don't know what you want. But you're listening. Still, hopefully. But Nick Vivid was a really cool, dude. I enjoyed talking to him. And I'm going to New York soon, and I really want to catch one of the shows. So I suggest you do the same if you're out in New York. Um, he's the guy with a really big disco collar, probably. But check out his music. I enjoyed it. You will, too, if you like that type of music, obviously. All right. Bye. What up? So, what's up, dude? Hey, <laughs> there you are. What's up? Thanks for uh, thanks for being cool about me. Just like not showing <laughs> last time, <laughs> dude. I was so sick. Extraneous I, circumstances or whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was it was the worst. It was like, I mean, I'm not like saying anything that's new here, but COVID sucks. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Totally vaccinated too. Just still got yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Me as well. I'm totally vaccinated and paranoid as hell. So <laughs> I try yeah. not to leave the studio when I don't have to. Yeah. And so, like, are you, is when you say like studio, is that basically just like your house? Because I yeah. was reading that you it, do all your, all the stuff yourself, basically. Yeah. yeah I've, um, 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 I'm sitting at my console right now. I got a 24 channel console that I'm sitting at. I don't even know if this camera, I know this isn't on video, but you can kind of see my, my board and stuff here. Oh, cool. I'm sitting at. So like, yeah. So like literally like I got my, my screen here and then like my monitor speakers and my console and like, the, and this is where I record my vocals. Like this is like the microphone I used to record all my vocals on. So like, Yeah. I even have some staging nice. behind me for when I do rehearsals. So yeah, everything's in my living room. I literally turned half the living room into a recording studio here. So yeah, this I, is where I, I spent most of the pandemic. I could see that. I was just uh, talking to um, a, a singer Christian from the band called The Ritualists. Who yeah, are also New York I know based. those guys really well. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all, we're buddies. Oh cool. So I yeah I talked to Christian. Uh, a few days ago and that was my last episode and it was just like we were talking about you know the difficulties of being in a band in new york city in terms of like logistics and space and things like that but i was just thinking for you it might be you, you might be like the ideal situation like the perfect setup for new york because you have you can condense everything to your room and you don't have to worry so much about like traveling in order to you know yeah no i'm very lucky i'm very lucky like i literally like i didn't have a home i don't know like uh november of 2019 i guess it would have been 
2020. I don't even know when this pandemic started. Dude, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so like I was finishing up my tour. Uh, I was living in, we were living in the van. It was just me and my girl. We we're traveling around the country, playing shows and finished the tour. And we got an apartment when we came back to New York. We didn't know if we'd be living here or going down south and spending some time somewhere else. Um, but we decided to come back here. Uh, and uh, got this apartment, moved in. I was like, okay, I'm going to record an album here, set up the studio in the living room, and next thing you know, the pandemic hit. And it was like, okay, well, I guess I'm stuck here for a while making a record. So, yeah, so yeah, it was it was pretty. You know, I, I was really fortunate to kind of be prepared for this situation as best as I could be. I guess. Yeah, I mean, some I was in a similar sort of boat where when it hit, I was already in the middle of recording a record. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, some musicians were in this, obviously in a scenario where they were trying to release something and that got screwed up or they're trying to go on tour to promote something. They just released. I've talked to so many people that, that just got completely screwed in that way. Whereas I was lucky. Mm-hmm. I was, all right. Well, I guess I can take my time finishing this up now. But I was l- literally just starting a record when it hit. So like, yeah, it was like, <laughs> And then and my plan was like, you know, do an album in two months, force myself to just spend day and night making a record. And then we'd go back out on the road by like that September, which obviously that didn't happen. So give me plenty of time to like make, you know, take longer, make a better record. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, think, it was, uh, it was definitely interesting. Do you think that like being kind of not necessarily forced to take your time with it, but like kind of being encouraged uh, by you know extraneous circumstances to take your time with it, not knowing how long the pandemic is going to take, realizing like you know you have the time to put more into the record. Do you feel like moving forward that's going to change the way you make records? Because, or do you feel like you could go back to just like, like I'm going to do this whole thing in two months or a month or whatever? Do you yeah, kinda... I I think there's there's pros and cons to both approaches. I tend to feel really guilty if I think I'm taking too long on a record, so I tend to like guilt myself into finishing things sometimes because i want to just keep moving i want to keep i don't you know i have i have friends who like uh i i I knew this guy when i first moved to new york who from the time i moved in next door to him to the time i left like six seven years later he was still working on the same record trying to perfect it quote unquote trying to make the music as good as possible and and i was like (laughs) These songs are done, man. Like, yeah. so like I'm the I'm the kind of person like I, I try not to take too long on some because I don't want to be that guy who's like always who's like overthinking everything. Uh, yeah. But it certainly was interesting to like do take a long time to make a record without the guilt that I impose upon myself. Uh, you know, uh, that was that was nice. That it it showed me how effective a more slow, methodical casual non-pressured approach can benefit my art but it's not necessarily something i think is the only way to make records now i think there's a lot of benefit in forcing myself on a deadline and giving myself limits and telling myself you got to have it done because there there's a certain energy that can come with that as well that's that can be very artistically beneficial so it's 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 a you know each record's going to be different each record's going to have its own personality and its own quirks and i and i it is. It was nice. From that pers- you know, from that point of view, it was nice to have that experience. But I, I don't necessarily think I need to do that again. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful I had it. You know. 
Yeah, I, I, I feel like it kind of just worked out perfectly for me. Not for everybody, obviously, but I, you know, glad that it was. For, you're fortunate enough to have it kind of work out. So was I. Um, and I think in the future, I'm definitely going to keep taking my time because I was already taking my time with it anyways, financially, because I hired a producer for it. And so, but I could only afford to go in like a couple days at a time. And like maybe once every couple months, I'd go in and just like knock out a couple pieces here and there. And mm-hmm. slowly but surely it took form. And I ended up liking that a lot because I was able to like sit with things for a long time and kind of let it digest before I went and added more. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm a similar to you, like I, I did all the recording myself, um, except for the drums. I can't play drums to save my life. But real quick, I want to like go back on one thing you said. It it's, makes me laugh because everybody knows somebody who is in that stage of like always like perfecting, quote unquote, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm realizing is that like it's, it's because I used to kind of be like that. And then I just forced myself to finish my first record. And, and, I could definitely still be working on it if I wanted to, but I'm, what I'm realizing is like, if you, the perfection process is is of you as an artist. I think, like, I'm the stuff I'm writing now is better than mm-hmm. what the stuff I wrote previously would be, even if I per- perfected it, quote unquote. Like, I feel like the raw, the raw like startup material of this new record is better than whatever I could have made the first one. So, like. Right. If you want to, it's instinct, perfect. you know, it's yeah. instinct. It's, it's a gut feeling about when things are done, you know, yeah. when is it done, you know, and, and, uh, how, uh, like how far at, at some point are you getting diminishing returns? And, yeah. um, and, and for sure, like I need to keep getting my art finished and out there so I can do more that's better next time. So I could, cause I, the whole point is to constantly evolve. The whole point is to, keep doing things better than I did them before. And so if I'm still working on the same song I was, I wrote 10 years ago, I'd be, you know, it would just be a pile of sludge at this point. It just would, it'd have no shape or form or energy to it. I think the energy, especially because like, how do you stay excited about the same thing? No matter how good it is. Like, well, we mean, you can't, it's old, would get old, you know, after a while, if you wrote it, like, like if you kept working on it and working on it, it's like, it loses its magic, no matter how good it is it's like right and that's a and that's a real consideration you know you gotta it's like capturing lightning in a bottle and that magic moment or that you know that that moment in time and you gotta you know if, if you're not if you're not cognizant of that then things can just get real by the numbers at some point and it's just has no sense of feeling or emotion yeah all that stuff it just all of a sudden just turns into nothingness yeah yeah and i think too and i'll you know you can tell me what how you are with this i'm definitely the type where i uh i can't really write unless i'm like completely struck by inspiration so i'm i'm also limited in like the amount of output that i can give i'm limited by like how inspired i feel at a given time and i think like some people can just sit down and just start knocking shit out whereas like i kind of have to wait for something to happen to me. And I'm like, how, how, how much are you like waiting for inspiration to strike? And then there's like the other type that like you work to be inspired. You know what I'm saying? I've done both. Um, and, and I think again, you know, both approaches work for me. Uh, 
probably because of my deadline, you know, mentality. I, I, uh, I will definitely sit myself down and force myself to work on music, but not have a goal of writing anything. Cause I don't like, I, I don't like to consider myself a person who writes music. I consider myself a person who channels musical energy, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I like, yep. I, I, I don't, it's almost like an ego thing. Like I've tried not to take too much credit for, cause I feel like that's a spirit, <laughs> such a spiritual thing. Like, yeah, I, I feel like it's I'm channeling it from somewhere else and it's it's a gift that's given to me. But I also have to put myself in a place to receive that gift. So yeah. if I'm sitting down in my studio and forcing myself to work on drum patterns or, or work on a, a melody or find an interesting keyboard sound, I'm setting myself up in a position to be inspired. I'm putting myself in a place where I can receive that energy, but I have to put, I can't. But then there's times when like I'll wake up in the morning and there'll be a song there and yeah. I'll just have something and I'll hum it into my phone, you know, like enough yeah. to trigger my memory later. So, um, you know, I, I'm finding myself doing that right now because I just finished a record and I can't tour. So it's like, well, what am I going to do? Might as well start writing more material or see what happens. Yeah. And a couple of things I like, you know, and a couple of things are like, well, that's kind of quirky. That's interesting. I don't know if it's any good. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, you know, I just, I just keep my, you know, and there's also like a, a sense of, uh, you know, being, getting in the rhythm of something and, and doing it with a certain amount of, uh, consistency that, that creates a, I don't know. It's kind of like working out. Like if I work out once every three months, it doesn't make a difference. But if I'm working out, you know, a couple of days a week consistently, every you know, you start seeing results after a while. Yeah. So I try to I try to stay in the flow of it so that I don't lose whatever it is that I've got. That makes perfect sense. I wish people listening could see how much I was like just smiling when you were saying about being like uh like channeling musical energy and how it's like a gift that you receive because dude i've said i said it to christian that is a hundred percent i've said it a million times on this podcast exactly how i feel about my own songwriting i just feel like it's it's a weird sort of identity christ not a crisis but it's like a weird identity thing that like i'm the one who's associated with the writing of this material a lot of times where i don't necessarily feel 100% responsible for it. I feel like yeah, I was just in a position to receive it and it sounds pretentious to people who don't like think on this wavelength, but that's the most accurate that's that feels more accurate to me than anything else. Yeah, well, I've I I I've never been the kind of person who sat down with a guitar and said, "Okay, these three, you know, a C to a G to an A." Right. To a D, these work together, and then we can do this chord progression, and that's common for pop music. And we'll we'll start a song like this. I mean, it's it's you know, there's I know people who do that. I'm not one of those people. I I just go, ooh, that makes me feel something. Oh, oh, that makes me. I don't know what it is, but it makes me feel something. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my favorite music growing up made me feel something. I didn't know what the chords were when I was a little kid. I didn't know why I loved what I loved, but I knew I it made me feel something. And yeah. uh, that's the same thing I'm trying to do now. Yeah, and I, I think honestly, like I would be a better technical musician if I studied it more. You know, because like I, I feel it, it definitely comes maybe, <laughs> maybe exactly, exactly. Like 
I think it would be nice because I still don't really know anything about music theory. I know how to make things feel a certain way at this point, and I just kind of intuitively know how to channel certain emotions or or or, or just naturally happens. However, I'm feeling just comes out through the music. Right. But I will. On the other hand, and you can tell me how uh, how you feel in terms of your own writing, but as much as I don't feel 100% responsible for the musical side of things, I, I definitely feel more, I take more pride in like more personal ownership over the lyrics because I spend way more time thinking about them and like being yeah. more deliberate, like editing, redrafting, whereas the music often just comes immediately and it doesn't get changed. It's just like, that's what Yeah, similar. Yeah, similar. Well, I, so, I mean, sometimes I'm lucky with lyrics that are just there, but yeah. a lot. what I'll hear a lot is phrasing or um, it almost sounds like music's being played. When I hear a song in my head, I, I usually hear all the parts, but it sounds mm-hmm. like they're in the next room. So lyrics sound like, <laughs> you know, I hear, yeah, I hear, I hear vowels, I hear E's yeah. and O's and O's and yeah. when things are supposed to have that kind of a sound and the inflection of, but I don't necessarily know what the words are. And so, uh, it's like, I'm trying to uncover it, like take all the layers off yeah. until I get a clearer picture of what it is that I'm hearing in my head. Uh, and, and then I try to make, I'm like, what the hell does that mean? You know, like once yeah. I see the lyrics, they go, what does that mean though? Like, you know, it's got to mean right. something. It, yeah, takes, you know it takes time for me to discern that and then figure out words that and in, in a in a in an MO in an angle, you know, to to yeah. express a, a a feeling that makes the song make sense, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it's definitely happened for me too where I'm in that position of trying to, you know, think like what I'm trying to figure out what what does it mean that I wrote here? Like, what do these words even mean? Like, and it's very rare that I write a song and maybe have one out of the six songs that were on my record that like made linear sense, like were about one thing and just like had, you know, descriptions of this one thing. Everything else is like, every stanza is like a different thing that contributes to like an overall feeling or an idea. And I realized like, you don't have to have a cohesive narrative all the time it can it doesn't have to make perfect sense it just has to like evoke a similar feeling like if they're evoking a bunch of similar things like even if you don't if it doesn't make sense in narrative form if it they all contribute to this sort of same vibe i think that can work too and i think oh sure sure it doesn't have to make any sense at all really i mean at the end of the day it's music what are the rules we we made them you know yeah I'm I'm imposing that rule upon myself because that's how I like my writing to be. But it yeah. doesn't have to be doesn't have to make sense in order for it to be uh, acceptable. You know, there's right. th- anything I do could work. It could be completely out of tune, and if I wanted to release it, I could. You know, it doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> what do you? What is your like? Because um, I, I was listening to your most recent record today. It was really cool. I thought it was really cool, actually. Thank you. Especially the. Uh, the song trainers like the um the rhythm of it, it of mm-hmm. the keyboard really interesting i think it's really cool if people just go listen to that you'll know what i'm talking about i'm not about to try and an acapella that shit right now but it's it's really really cool it was a it was a sample uh and then i was like playing around with how it worked and then um i had this rhythm that went with it and it was a little little disjointed 
slightly, yeah. but but it also kind of really fits. And yeah. it, it it's a little off, but also very on. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So uh, yeah. I just I just you know again like I didn't try to clean it up to make it super pretty. Like I I like the fact that it felt a little jarring and a little disjointed and and a little like it, again you know for me it's like all about the hook. So yeah, uh, you know it kind of hooks you in a little bit because it's like what is that? What's going on yeah. there? And um, but at the same time, it's comfy. It, like it, 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 you can still bop your head to it. So, uh, yeah, I like yeah. that. I, I like that one for that. And it just so that was the first one I wrote uh, for for that record. <laughs> Again, I say I wrote <laughs> like we were discussing yeah. earlier. It was the first one that came to me for the that record that I said, <laughs> you know, this is this is uh, going to be the vibe of the album. This is where uh, this is this this feels like the direction things should go for this. For this album that i'm gonna be doing so uh yeah that one that one that one felt really good when it was first happening and i just kind of i didn't want to mess with it whatever it was making me feel when i was first demoing it was kind of how it stayed yeah no i thought i thought it was really cool it's like a fresh sort of take on like the like a lo- lo-fi sort of indie pop thing that you mm-hmm. have going on which, you know it it's become a popular genre you know whether they call it like bedroom pop or indie pop or whatever but i think it's like a fresh take on it and it's it's like you said it's comfortable it's like you can still just kind of like vibe out to it you don't have to like think about, about it the same way you have to think right. about it. like try to pay attention and figure out what the hell time signature is in it feels 4-4 but it's also got like the fun aspect that like a math rock song would have where it's like you know oh that and there's two alternating patterns there's like the one that is more disjointed and then it alternates to one where it's a little bit less disjointed and it goes back and forth right and then I found myself. Yeah, I to like those out. kinds of things. Yeah, I like yeah. those kinds of things. Don't don't try too hard to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It it was cool. It was it was just it was just like for me, anyways. It was it was just enough to like not be overwhelming and still like oh that's different. Yeah, you know. Right, and um, that's what I like to do. Like I was talking with somebody about it. Uh, being like, because uh, I, I have like these great aspirations to be very mainstream and very for the masses, but I also want to like give the masses something that they haven't necessarily heard before. So every time I have something that feels a little too safe or a little too along the lines of what might be comfortable for the listener, I do like to have that little sense of something that they may not be ready for. You know, yeah. those little surprises, those little hooks, those little ear candy pieces, those little disjointed bits. I might just give somebody a little something different that they may not be used to. And I, and, uh, so I, I like when that stuff appears in my music because, uh, it makes it feel unique, you know? Yeah. I, I'm trying, I try to do the same thing. I think it's, I don't, I think, uh, not to like pat ourselves on the back too much. I think I wish it's something I wish more people would do. Try to like, just make something a little bit different. It doesn't, you have to reinvent the wheel necessarily. But just something like I try to, you know, we'll take two genres that don't necessarily belong together or they haven't been shown together before. And I think there's really bad examples of that, like hip hop country. I just can't get behind that. But uh, I think there's also really <laughs> awesome examples of it where I don't know. I think of like Frank Ocean as an example of like blending like clean guitar tones with like big atmospheric like 808s and stuff like that. And it sounds really cool mm-hmm. or you know there's just different ways to do it and that you don't have to be a technically good musician to pull it off either you just have to like think about things in a different way and i think yeah, it's, and it's, 
it's and cool. for me it's like you know it's like um I could say like you know oh I really love the drum the the drum sound on this Dr Dre record and then but I also love this little keyboard line from this Bowie song and I love this synth from this Duran Duran thing and I love this mm-hmm. you know I love this rock guitar from a you know or a, a, you know this this funky guitar from this Curtis Mayfield track I'm like well what if all those four things were in one song. You know, yeah. what if you had all those elements in one song? And it's like I, I, I just pick and choose like all the little things I like out of each different thing that I listen to. And I go, oh, that's good. OK. And that goes up in the memory bank. And then somehow they just get all jumbled around and yeah, it all, you know, and that's it creates its own signature, you know. But yeah, if, yeah, I, it would be, you know, it, it's fun to do that. And uh, yeah, I don't I, I think so many people are. You know, I really can't speak for other musicians, but what I see a lot is direct uh, lineage to something that already exists. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and I've done that myself in the past, you know, um, so I'm, I'm really not faulting anybody for it. Sure. But sure. it's something I wish I saw less of because I think there's a lot of I, I think a lot of people limit themselves unnecessarily. But at the yeah. same time, because you can't just go out and say well i sound like this band and all or you know there's already an audience to appeal to so it makes it look like it's going to be easy to achieve some kind of you know some kind yeah. of uh audience you know and uh you know something like what i'm doing it's like well if you like david Bo- the way david bowie's piano sounds on the song aladdin sane and you like the way Dr. Dre's drum sound on the chronic. And if you like this, then you might like my music. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little it's a little tough to tell to ask yeah. people to do that, you know. Right. So, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a weird marketing. That's actually not a bad idea for a marketing campaign. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, that's that'll throw people off. Yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, like like you were saying, it's not necessarily to fault anybody though, to if they haven't, you know, thought outside the box and I've obviously done it too. I mean, I wasn't writing masterpieces, you know, when I first started, you know, right. I think that some things that I would, to, to my own standards of what I can do is for me, it's a masterpiece. You know what I mean? I'm not comparing it to anybody else, but at the point I'm getting at is that I think people should be more competitive with themselves rather than mm-hmm. like, and what I mean is, like challenge yourself to not do the thing that's directly lineated to something that exists already you know what i mean like you analyze or, or something you've already done yeah you know yeah. you know yourself. like the right i i which i try to do i i you know i i don't want to make the same album twice um right you know i'd i'd probably be okay if like i had a really successful first record and all of a sudden you know maybe i'd be more compelled to making this you know doing the acdc thing and making the same album over and over again and i love acdc and i love all those records so it's like i'm glad they made the same album over and over again you know i'm glad they found something that really worked and they stuck with it uh i'm uh i i'm glad they didn't venture off and try to be something else but I also think like, you know, sticking within a framework and seeing, you know, because I think I've got a pretty decent idea of who I am and what I'm about at this point, where I don't think I could stray too far outside of the formula for myself, even if I try, because I just know what I like. So yeah. 
you know, there, I, I don't really worry about pushing my own boundaries a bit, but, but at the same time, yeah, I don't want to make the same record twice, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, like I've only started, it can take a long time too to like, to change the way you write and things like you might, you might surprise yourself down the road. Cause like I was writing, I started writing music when I was probably like 16, 15 or 16. And I didn't really start writing things that felt different until like midway through the writing process of my first record, which I didn't, I mean, I wrote an entire record's worth of material when I was in like high school and college, but I never like put it out or anything. So technically like Mm -hmm. the first record I put out is like the second record that I wrote, but like midway through that is when I started to, start writing things that felt like it was my own thing and it wasn't like a product of right. influences necessarily. I mean, everything's a product of your influences, but it sounds more like me than it sounds like those other things. Right. And, yeah. I felt like that, you know, what no more secrets is like my fourth record uh, as a solo artist. I was in rock bands before this, but as a solo artist who's doing this kind of music, uh, this is my fourth record. And it wasn't until my third album blissed out that I thought I was taking all the things I learned on the first two records and starting to develop my own sense of identity musically yeah. for sure. But that again, you know, goes back to the idea of just keep going, you know, don't work yeah. on the same song for eight years, you know, keep going, keep writing new stuff because who you are will eventually come through if you just keep at it and don't give up on it and, and keep learning from what you're doing as opposed to rehashing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, And you never know also, like if say, if you don't achieve like the level of, I'm sure so many people give up after their first or second or third record, don't like hit the way they want it to, but you never, if you keep going, I mean, yeah, there's a chance, obviously it's terrifying to think of, but there's a chance that you won't ever get where you want to be. But you never know when the evolution of what you're doing will perfectly line up with what people want. You yeah, never you have know no idea. Those. You have yeah. no idea if if that'll happen or yeah. I I used to expect that when I was first, you know, doing this. <laughs> you know, when I when I first moved to New York, I'm like, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be huge. I'm gonna be the biggest thing in the world. And I was, I mean, I was so full of myself. And we, I, I you know, to my credit, I worked my butt off and I put together a killer rock band and we were hot shit in the local scene for you know a couple of years and then the band broke up and you know my drug problem got out of control and all the stuff that you hear about with rock bands minus the the music without camera minus the money yeah minus the money (laughs) it was everything but the money and uh uh but uh you know the the truth was yeah I uh I realized that it wasn't a goal because I saw a lot of people who had, had done it and I have friends who have made it and made it quote unquote, you know, whatever, you know, I don't even know what that means anymore. to tell you the honest truth, because there's people look at me and consider me as being very successful. And I, and I still think there's places that I haven't gone yet, you know, so I don't even know what that means anymore. I just know that I'm great. Like right now, how I have to be in order to keep myself, keep my head right uh, is just to have like, gratitude when i wake up in the morning going oh my god i get to do this you know because all i got is today anyway right so it's like i I just get to do this today yeah i can't go out and tour today that's a bummer i wish i could but uh because i love being on the road and um but i but i get to do this you know i get to do an interview today so that was cool you know like i i get to i get to be me 24 7 and uh 
And that's a, that uh, turns out it, from everything I've been through in music, that accounts for 95% of it. You know, yeah. uh, it's just do it, being able to do it, uh, being able to make music, being able to, you know, it, the, the fame thing and the success thing, um, it really is, is not, it doesn't make any difference. And I, and I end up doing all sorts of things at some point anyway. So like, you know, I played big, big venues and I've, you know, been in front of thousands of people and it's, it's no, you know, I, but if I could play in front of 20 tonight who are going ape shit over the music, I'd be super thrilled to be doing that, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, so it's like, I know I lo- it turns out I love the little crazy spaces much better anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of, that's kind of a good transition while wow, you should, you should, you know, you should be a podcast host, but it's, uh, cause I was, <laughs> I tried that <laughs> once. I didn't, it wasn't feel like, me, Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Dude. I've tried everything, man. I've been so I've been so burnt out by it lately. Like I've I did I've been doing this for over three years now, and like I, the first like year two years were like every week, never missed a week, episode a week, growing the Instagram, everything, and then I just hit a wall. And mm-hmm. mid pandemic, where I just there's like double edged sword, I guess maybe that's not the right phrase, but what I'm saying is like, I used to do only local bands. I live in the Detroit area. And so mm-hmm. I would only do Love bands Detroit. that dude, it's great. Hit me Donovan, up. If you're was it Donovan's there. pub? Donovan's pub. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah that's, what, uh, that's where I played on my last tour. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Love that place. Yeah. But I'd only ever get bands from that area or you know, I think the furthest anyone ever drove was like Lansing in the first year, which is like an hour away mm-hmm. um or ohio somewhere in indy maybe i don't know but during the pandemic like i was forced to branch out and you know as a result i started interviewing a lot of people from all over the place so it was in on one hand it was cool because it's like okay the podcast is growing in scope like i'm interviewing bands from like uh england or australia or new york or wherever you know right but, I, I didn't, and part of it was me just being dumb. I didn't know that I could do this video thing and not have worry about recording it. So I was for a while. I was just doing audio only. It's like a phone call interview where it just didn't feel cool to me. Like yeah, I had some cool episodes, but it was like overall, it just felt like man, I don't know if I really want to do this if I can't like be in person with people. Right. But, so I'm still kind of coping with that. I'm like kind of like shifted my focus to putting out a record now that that's out and you know i am not really working on anything super hard in that i'm like all right i'm gonna get back into the podcast which is right around the time that i got covid <laughs> so, <laughs> now i'm like trying to jump back in and release some of the backlog i don't know that's my autobiography but i was gonna ask you before i got sidetracked uh you know about your live performance because you you know you used to be in a rock band now you kind of like are a rock band but what is as someone who like records everything like i had to go find a band to play the shit live but you're a little bit more like electronic so do you what's your live setup like is it just you what like what do you that was part of the reason i started doing this i was sick and tired of being in bands i was sick and tired of working with musicians i just didn't i couldn't do it anymore um I'd always be in a band and we'd put out our, we'd, we'd be really like of one mind and really focused and we'd do our first record and we'd do some really great gigs and, and then everybody would lose focus. 
because yeah. you didn't know what to do next. You know, your local band, it's like everybody's going to quit their jobs and go live in a van and like, you know, change their lifestyle in order to tour and like hustle to make this thing work. Or are we going to just kind of start sputtering? And you'd always end up losing that energy after a couple of years of doing the band. At least my, that was my my experience. Um, and I thought, well, maybe this isn't for me. So I opened up a recording studio uh in the lower east side thought well maybe i'll record other bands because i loved recording and uh and mm -hmm. then i realized i didn't enjoy that at all <laughs> and right. uh, luckily uh some kind of force in the universe intervened and uh, flooded my studio one day and i lost the studio and oh, uh while i did that and that was 2015 and while i was doing that um i lifted i was so stressed out from the whole experience uh, that I ended up uh, lifting something way too heavy for myself and straining my entire core, and I was stuck in bed for three months. And it was really like the universe saying, "Dude, get your get your priorities together and think about your life." And I really just had a chance to like sit sit in bed for three months and think about what am I doing with my life. And I'm, and uh, I realized I I I I enjoy making music. I don't want to be in another band. I love performing live. Well, all these hip hop guys are doing it with backing tracks. You know, maybe I could do something like that. I can't do rock and roll without real drums, but I could do electronic or, or more, uh, you know, something more electronic, hip hop based, and uh, and I could pull that off live as a one man show. And so it kind of lent itself to out of necessity to make the kind of music I'm doing in order to do it live the way I, you know the way I'm presenting it. Um, to you know to make this kind of music so that kind of started the whole whole ball rolling with that and then i didn't think i had enough material to do a, a, a live show enough good you know material that would work live until my third record and at that point i was comfortable enough with everything that i like built a light show that you can kind of i know we're not on a yeah, video here with this that. podcast but but i got some lights behind me on a grid and i got a video screen and uh, I've got a TC Voice Live unit that I put my vocals through. Really? I had my, I had um, and uh, I had my mastering engineer master live versions of all the songs. Some with backing vocals, some with alternate mixes. Some where there's going to be different things going on that are going to go with the live version of these songs. And then mm. I set everything up in in uh, you know with MIDI triggers, and the MIDI triggers all the lights and triggers all my vocal cues echoes harmonies and everything i used to do sound at clubs so i was like well this is gonna be i'm gonna be a sound engineer's like favorite you know client because i'm gonna go up to him and be like okay just take the stereo feed from the music and take the vocals and just set them up and don't touch anything for a half hour go on a smoke break i'll be fine <laughs> you know you don't have to mess with anything the show is just perfectly mixed already out of the box and uh, so that's that's kind of how I do it. So the show is very static, you know. There's no real deviation, other than the fact that I run around and jump and everything like that. But but I end up having a lot of fun with it. I really like, you know, on the last tour, every night I would find some other way to do something a little different or perfect some aspect of it and and make it just tweak it just a little bit every day. And I really enjoyed that. I found a really, you know, it wasn't static. It wasn't boring for me. I ended up feeling a lot of freedom in it and having a lot of fun with it. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do it as a one man show. And it's just me and my girl, we just travel around and set it up and hit the play button and I, off I go. That sounds pretty sweet. I thought yeah. about something, doing something like that, like kind of a similar thing. It wasn't that I was sick of working with, 
people in general, but it was like I was so frustrated with the process of trying to find like-minded people who wanted mm-hmm. to devote their efforts into something where they weren't even like really a primary songwriter, you know. I've it's like I luckily have found people who like the record I made enough to where they want to play it live with me and they want to like contribute to new stuff. But that was hard. And like I for a yeah. while I was thinking like, dude, I should just learn how to <laughs> trigger stuff and learn MIDI and all that and just do a one man thing. I, I don't think I'm the right person for it because I'll get into it. Like you definitely like I read your like press kit thing, like you're into the dancing. But yeah, I got some like some moves. I do not. I do not have <laughs> any of that. I am I hide behind the fact that I'm holding a guitar a hundred percent. I love right. that I have the guitar. Cause I, I mean, I, I'm a guitarist even more than I'm a singer. You know, I just happen to sing. Uh, yeah. Where did the, uh, tell me about the dancing stuff. Like, is that how, like how much of a role is that playing in the live show? Or is that kind of like a, like a, that's, yeah, that's a big, big aspect of it. Cause it's the one, it's the one human element of my show is me. Uh, so I'm, I'm constantly, uh, breaking the fourth wall and jumping into the crowd and, and singing in people's faces and dancing around and like just going absolutely crazy up there. I mean, you've seen the trainer's music video, I'm sure. And if you haven't, uh, it's, it's pretty much all in there. I'm just dancing around like a fool. Um, and I just love it. You know, ever since, you know, I just, ever since I was a little kid, I used to do that kind of stuff. I, I always played with, uh, with a guitar when I was in bands, except for, Pretty much the last band I was in uh, before I started doing this, I was just a front man and I really enjoyed just jumping around and having the freedom of just having a microphone in my hand and running up and, you know, singing with people and jumping into the crowd and stuff. And, and so that would really, you know, I took that into this and, and just really found I, I enjoyed that kind of spontaneous, uh, you know, like for me, like rock and roll is supposed to be dangerous and my show is yeah. very static. And so like any opportunity I can use to add a little danger into the show, you know, like is something going to go completely wrong tonight? You know, <laughs> yeah. I think that, like the, the, the last, you know, the, the release party uh, I did in November was the last show I did. I rehearsed for three months uh, just to know that what because something wasn't going to go according to plan. Of course, things did not go according to plan that night. You know, I had all sorts of like crazy surprises I was going to do and for the audience and like half of them didn't work out. But the truth was I was prepared for anything. And in my case, when I'm as prepared as possible for a live performance, then I have the freedom to mess with it completely because I always know where I am. There's yeah. no, you know, everything, anything could go wrong and I, I would know how to fix it because I'm so ready for it. Um, and it's, it's always about being, a, you know, ready for the things that aren't, you know, aren't going to go right was what makes the shows great. You know, is what the spontaneousness of, you know, being, being part of a, an experience with an audience and, uh, and seeing what could possibly go wrong. I think that's what makes it fun. I think, you know, and forgive me if I'm making too much of a leap here, but, you know, and also apologies if I'm airing things that I shouldn't be. I can edit it out. Let me know. I'm someone I've experienced like pretty significant loss in my life. And I Mm -hmm. think that dealing with that makes you 
more for me anyways had has made me more open to the idea of handling things not going right and like understanding that no no matter what happens like only thing you can really control is how you respond to it and if yeah. things go wrong during the show or if you lose somebody it, you know it's like there's these parallels between life and art obviously but like you can decide whether as difficult as it can feel like you know to actually make feel like you're in control it can be very difficult to feel that way but when things happen like you can decide to respond and go into a turtle shell and no one will blame you for it or you can say like all right well what do i do how do i make the best of this well there's certainly yeah uh, you know there is that aspect uh, and i'll and i'll give another parallel to all that stuff when i was first playing in bands i thought there was some kind of rule book that i was the only person who never read uh, yeah. so, so I thought I was supposed to have a perfect show every night. And I thought if something went wrong, it was a horrible catastrophe and that, oh my God, the audience is going to think I'm not, uh, I'm not great. You know, I was so mm-hmm. afraid of what everybody thought of what I was doing. And as I got more into it and got more confidence with it, um, you know, I realized that anything that goes wrong, it's, it's just a problem. You deal with it. You know, like I didn't yeah. need to have so much control. I used to have, like try to control everything and control every aspect of a situation. And and I, I still yeah. get caught up in that sometimes. But, but uh, you know, at some point you just realize that, you know, you can prepare as much as possible. It's, 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 it's allowing things to be out of your control that makes them good. You know, it yeah. uh, it gives a, a sense of uh, of uh, you know you're not responsible necessarily for anything that is not in your control. You know, and and it took right. me a long time to learn that. It took me a long time to learn that it's okay when things go wrong in a concert or when like the sound goes out or or you know sometimes like the video screen or something will completely go out in the middle of a song and I'll be like hold on everybody and I'll just have to go and restart <laughs> it. You know, and I'll be like all right, where were we? You know, and let's get yeah. back into it. No apologies. You know, I was talking with a, another guy uh, the other day about like apologizing for yourself. Never apologize. Uh, Never be up on stage and apologize for anything. You just yeah. got to go up there and do the show and give it your best. And just people just want to be entertained. It doesn't matter if it went the way you thought it should go. It matters if they leave having a smile on their face. Yeah. And and uh, so I I try to. Uh, you know, I don't know if, it, you know, going through personal loss in my life or anything like that has necessarily affected that in my art. Uh, but it's certainly like, I, I, I certainly, you know, I don't give as much of a crap as I used to about a lot of aspects of this, you know, like, like I just, again, and I think it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with the gratitude thing. Like, I'm just grateful to be able to do this every day that it almost like doesn't matter if it goes according to my plans, you know, right. The, The fact that I'm like, I'm afforded the opportunity to make music and perform it is kind of a, a gift in and of itself for me. So I, I try to just kind of keep that mindset about it. And then anything else that happens is a, you know, is a bonus. Yeah, I think, you know, and it's something that I've been learning as well. And I'm still, on to like full disclosure, not yet where you are, but I think it's inspiring to hear as someone who can definitely relate with you on a lot of things in terms of like, uh, what's coming to mind right now is like this idea that we share about when you write music, you're not exactly 100% responsible for it. Right. So like that attitude and like extrapolating it to the other, the things that you think that you're supposed to try to control, you know, if. Right, right. I don't even control the music itself. So why am I trying to control like what my guitar player, what note he does during a solo? 
or like what right drum well, like that guy we, we were talking i was talking to, with uh, another podcast the other day and i was i was mentioning the idea that like i used to play in bands where like you know you you do those gigs where like people are standing like 10 feet from the stage you know the whole audience starts about 10 15 yeah. feet away from the stage you know in the room and like uh-huh. i'd always play in those bands where there'd be that one guy would be like get to the front come to the front man come up to the stage you know uh, I realize, like, like that's that's don't ask your audience to do that, you know, like that. Yeah. Like, I've done gigs where like people were standing ten feet away from me, but we're having the best time. They leave the gig, they'll be like, I I had a blast tonight because they were comfortable standing that far back. If they want to come up front, come up front. It's not my job to control how the audience interacts with me. You know, right. it's not my job to tell the audience how to feel. It's not my job to tell. You know, I could try to create a mood. I can try to create a sense of of uh, uh, you know a show that I think is entertaining or I think would would entertain them or or move them in some way, but uh, it, it's not my uh, it's not my place to demand anything of other people or try to control how things go. And if they don't go according to my my best laid plans in my brain, it's you know again it's not a nightmare. It's not a catastrophe if that happens. It's probably what is it exactly supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know that's it's it's a place in your head that I, you know, I would aspire to get to, you know, it's, it's more, it's easier said than done, obviously for someone who does feel like they want to control everything. I mean, that's part of why I'm the sole like songwriter is because I feel like I have this vision and I need to execute every, Mm -hmm. every aspect of it to a T. And now that I've been working with a, you know, three other musicians in the process of writing the new stuff. Yeah. I'm still like, the the gavel holder you know when it comes to things mm-hmm. but like i've been pushing myself and i've been really pushing myself to like let go of certain ideas and being like you know i might not like this person's idea as much as my idea for the part that they're about to play <laughs> but by allowing them to have that part for themselves they're gonna have more buy-in to what we're yeah, doing yeah they're gonna take group. more ownership of it for sure yeah. And it might you might end up loving it more than what you would have come up with. I try not. Or other yeah, people I, might like it more. <laughs> you know, that's even if true I don't. Too. <laughs> you know, that's true too. <laughs> you're, you're right because I don't know if I'm right or if I'm wrong. You know, yeah. I don't know. Like, and it's tough as a one man band, quote unquote, to to have that kind of objectivity about my own work because I um, I have to uh, I I have to leave room for magic to emanate from somewhere you know i don't have other musicians to come in and and allow you know allow magic to to come in through through others so i have to kind of wait and see where it comes from you know uh and find you know and and seek it elsewhere but try to discern the difference between my ego and discern the difference between my ego and 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 in you know genuine inspiration Um, yeah and, you use, and not every one of my ideas needs to be used, you know. Yeah, no, I I get that a hundred percent. Do you? I was just gonna ask you. I've been wanting to ask you this whole time. I wanted to make sure I asked because you are like the one man band. Do you also mix and master your own stuff, or do you? Like I mix my own. I mix my own stuff, uh, but I have somebody else master it. Yeah, uh, my mastering engineer's name's Dan Mills. He's Brooklyn, uh, New York guy. Uh, and I just like the way he masters music, where we both kind of appreciate the same 
mastering engineers from the same reasons, you know, we're both, we, we could get on the phone and talk mastering for like an hour or two, you know, and just like shoot the shit about like mastering and the, the art of mastering and stuff. And, yeah. um, and he, he's just a great guy and he, he knows what I'm trying to do. And he works with me. If I, if I go, can we try this? Can we, can we, you know, he, he's totally open to it and it's totally, he, here's what I'm trying to do. <clears throat> And uh, he works with me on it, which I really appreciate. But at the same time, I've, I've, I've realized I, I don't like that. I don't like that aspect of it. Uh, that's the one thing I realized. I, my ego used to say, oh, you can figure out how to master yourself. You can do this. I was like, well, yeah, I probably could do this. I don't yeah. need, I don't have to do this. And I don't, and I don't necessarily enjoy doing this. Uh, it's too much pressure to get it right at that point. Um, yeah. I feel like there's this pressure on me to like figure it out and be like, I, I don't know how this is going to sound on stereos all over the country and in earbuds all over the country. And, and I'm afraid I'm going to mess this up. So I, I give it to somebody who, you know, does that for a living and that's what, that's all they do. And they know it, they know that art. And, and, and I go, well, will this work? And this will be okay. And he's like, yeah, this will be fine. I go, oh, okay. Now I don't have to worry about it anymore because somebody else yeah. is telling me it's going to be just fine. So yeah. that takes a you're, lot of pressure off to it as well. You know what I mean? They, they're tapping their name to it. So you, if they're saying it's okay, it's, it's, oh it's yeah. Nice they don't. Oh yeah. If Dan, if Dan, no, of course. And if, if Dan, you know, Dan's done a lot of, big records and he does a lot of like heavy new york underground new york hip-hop stuff so like he's got his foot in that world and and um i i just really think uh you know i trust him so it's one of those things if yeah if he tells me something's gonna work and i like how it sounds i go this will be okay and he's like yeah this is great i go okay perfect but yeah Word. don't have to worry about it and then one last thing before we wrap up here i mean hour kind of flew by and i uh Honestly, it's been a, it's been nice getting to know you. I think it's it's cool to hear, you know, whenever you have like a front man or like just someone who's like appears eccentric or like you would imagine based on the music that they'd be more eccentric or they'd be more like really like ego driven. Not necessarily that that hundred percent comes across, but it like you know you have like a very like avant garde sort of like perception and like the dancing and right. the, you know the lights it's so nice to just hear like how down to earth these people often are and how there's it's so different between like who they are like just talking and then who they are like on stage and i, don't think I know i always like think like oh if i'm gonna do an interview i should be really weird today you know oh, <laughs> yeah, should, no. like, like like what kind of weird answers could i come up with today to like really right. sell this image of myself to people but yeah <laughs> I, I i just i can never do it I, this always ends up happening i just end up being really yeah. honest no that's what that's the way to go i think it's it's definitely more fun i can tell there's been a couple of times where people are just like giving me these answers i'm just like dude you don't actually believe that do you like <laughs> like they're like just trying way too hard to yeah live up yeah. to whatever they think they're supposed to be yeah it's like all right dude no one knows who you are let's just chill out like some yeah <laughs> it's like I, I hate to be like a dick but sometimes people are just it's very rare i will say yeah. very but there have been a couple times where i'm just like uh, okay uh but anyways i wanted to ask you because i like to ask like at the end done some stuff on the road whether it's your own band or other bands and stuff do you have any like just generic or like cliche like crazy road stories or like things that have happened that were just like unexpected or or like 
just most memorable no. things from the road or anything like that? Yeah, you know, it's just the usual stuff. The van breaking down, being stuck in a small town for three days unexpectedly, getting, you know, feeling like you're yeah. part of the neighborhood, being sad to leave when it finally gets fixed, you know, and <laughs> that happened to me on the last tour. I, I, I did, you know, ended up falling in love with a town called, uh, <laughs> fell in love with a place I can't remember the name of right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, North Platte, Nebraska. Uh, and uh, it loved uh loved hanging out there so yeah nebraska is wonderful wonderful state um i i was pleasantly uh surprised with how much i really felt you know a kinship with with the land there um but you know it's just yeah it's all the normal stuff you know the it, it's it's work and it's a job and uh and i love it i really do love it i love getting up in the morning getting on the road going driving to another city, setting up the show, performing for people, tearing it all down, getting in the van, driving to the next city, doing it all over again. I, I just really, just really love it. And I really miss it. And um, can't wait to go do it again. So, no. Yeah. No, I think that's, I'm super excited. We were supposed to go on our first tour in two weeks and it just got canceled because of COVID, but we're doing, mm -hmm. going out in March, going out in April. I think we're coming to New York in uh, July, like the first weekend of July. Our, our goal is to come to New York City. Uh, cool. Do you have a place in mind yet? A, a venue? No, no idea. No idea. Okay. My plan is to just ask. We, we have a booking agent who's kind of working with us a little bit, but also mm -hmm. like I have made a lot of contacts from the podcast. So I was going to reach out to bands and artists that I've talk to from new york or for wherever city we yeah shoot to. me a line i'll send you the names yeah. of a couple spots that are cool so that'd be awesome but yeah, but yeah it's, it's been really fun to talk to you dude um yeah same here yeah i'll let you know when this is coming out and everything and if you want to just let uh list off like the you know your social media handles and where people can find the music and stuff online uh nickvivid.com uh and then find nick vivid on instagram um uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and uh, I occasionally post some, you know, I try to do some interesting stuff on Instagram and uh, TikTok. So that's basically it. Cool. All right, dude. Well, I will let you know when this comes out. I'll tag you in it and everything. And uh, let us let me know. And, you know, if you're putting something else new out in the future or whatever, hit me up. We'll do this again. And if you come through Detroit, definitely let me know. Absolutely. Will do. Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Yep. All right. Take it easy, dude. All right, you too.